the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, good afternoon. Welcome. It's uh, Wednesday, the 18th of January, and uh, hoping that uh, you're having a good week so far. Heading into the weekend here. Good news. I think we've got, at least for a spell... How long a spell is, I'm not sure. But at least for a while, I think we've got the bulk of the rain behind us. Yay! Not that we are complaining, right? Good to have a little bit of a respite from uh, what's been five, six, seven years of continuous drought, uh, which apparently is not entirely over yet. But uh, the good news is the snow cap in... um, the Tahoe area and up in the Sierra Nevadas looks very healthy. So hopefully at least the worst of this will be behind us. Let's talk about the month of January, shall we? Not from a um, weather forecasting perspective, but rather from a historical perspective that, in fact, this month will mark the 50th anniversary since the tragic and historic Roe versus Wade decision that, at least for 49 and a half years, made abortion on demand legal in the United States. Well, of course, as we know, that 73 court decision was vacated by the high court back in June of last year. And some think that maybe with that, the battle is over with. We've won the victory. But in fact, there are many respects in which it's just getting started. For example, the FDA right now defending its approval of the abortifacient RU486 abortion pill, the agency urging a federal judge to reject an attempt to withdraw federal approval for the drug used in medical abortions. The FDA said granting the request would, quote, cause unprecedented harm to the public interest, close quote. (laughs) Boy, talk about being altogether blind. The lawsuit filed in November by the Alliance Defending Freedom. We'll see where that goes. Meanwhile, in New York City, they're going to make hay while the sun shines, offering free access to abortion pills starting today in a city-run health clinic. The Department of Health and Medical Hygiene Clinic in Bronx is the first of four New York City clinics that will offer abortifacients by the end of the year. The four sites combined have the capability of distributing 10,000 abortion pills per year. So if you thought the battle was over with, mm, yeah, no, not really. And certainly in the bluest of states like New York, like California, it's just getting started. Joining me now is the CEO of Real Options to talk a bit about the significance of the month of January, still Sanctity of Human Life Month, and uh, the ways in which we need to be um, joining arms and joining forces um, to sort of, um, well, stem the tide as best we can in states like California that have um, rather obviously become almost um, havens 
for abortion at the hands of our current governor and state legislature. Valerie, welcome. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Craig. Great to be with you tonight. You know, stories like these remind us that while we took a a tremendous sense of of joy in the high court decision and many pro-life people uh, deservedly enjoyed a victory lap, um, I I guess it's also a reminder, um, as we see what's happening in states like California, in states like New York, that uh, while there might have been some very significant victories won in 2022. Uh, The work in states like California in 2023 are just beginning. Absolutely, they are just beginning. In fact, uh, we were having a pretty good year serving a banner number of women and men and students in 2022 until Roe v. Wade was overturned through the Dobbs decision in the high court uh, because we've got people who don't believe in even choice. They don't want women to find real options and alternatives to abortion, like real options medical clinics, and they block, Google is one of those that block our um, map and our organic search from coming up, which is not, not truly friendly and caring to women to offer them options and choices and uh, makes me very sad uh, to see that happening and to see our numbers go down and and we're just doing our best and gathering our strength to, to go around whichever way we can to get the word out in uh, social media and digital digital marketing outreach so that women can find us and I think it's important for listeners to understand that this is not by accident. I mean, there's a long history of a quite concerted effort to not only suppress searches when women are seeking mm-hmm. to get information related to yeah. the totality of options available to them. And, and, and even for a season in California, um, quite literally codified under California law. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure why all of the apparent um, legitimate attorneys were missing from the California State Legislature the day that they discussed the idea of forcing organizations like yours to literally promote abortion services under the, I was going to say misguided, but no, it's not misguided. It's quite intentional idea that, well, we can't possibly lose any business. So we're we're not going to force the abortion clinics like Planned Parenthood and others to provide the totality of information so that women can make a, a completely informed decision that they can truly have options related to choice. No, we're only going to uh, force a counterexposure or promotion um, on the pro-life clinics to make sure that women know that abortion is indeed a viable option as if somehow they had missed that memo. Exactly. And it's, it's a sad, sad truth. But, you know, God is with us. We, uh, I, I know we can, they can't stop him and his compassion, his love and care for the women, men, and students in the Bay Area. And he's helping us to do our best to continue to serve as many as we can. And, uh, we're not, we're not gonna cry in our soup. We're going to go full speed ahead to, uh, find other avenues, find creative ways, uh, send our outreach uh, department out there in the communities, 
serve as many students as we can in classrooms and be on the college campuses. We're, we're going on to Berkeley campus this year uh, with a campus pregnancy support club as we have had in San Jose State for 14 years and just doing everything we can, offering pregnancy loss healing, uh, Rachel's Vineyard retreats, five retreats this year, one starts this weekend. Uh, it's bilingual, men and women are welcome, and you know, we just, we've gotta come at it in every way we can for care, compassion, for honest information, and so that women can make that informed decision, as you said, and, and uh, we know that it is up to them. It is up to them, it is their choice, um, but let's give them full information. Let's give them that ultrasound to see if they even have a viable pregnancy. Let's not uh, push chemical abortion on college campuses and dorm rooms and women's, you know, bedrooms all alone, young women, college college students. Um, it's, it's evil practice. It's uh, back to the back alley for women. And it, it just turns out devastating results uh, for these women who not only lose their babies, but don't know what to do, don't know how to handle the whole process that they've been relegated to do by themselves. And they don't even know, is this pregnancy up to 10 weeks when the FDA originally said this, this medication was safe, supposedly? Um, they have no idea if they haven't had an ultrasound. So we hope that they will find us, that they will find a safe place that they can turn to here in the Bay Area and all over California where they can have that compassionate uh, care and consultation with full information and that ultrasound that is so key to know what is the right route. And if they choose an abortion, to know that God loves them, to know that we care about them, to know that they have a place they can turn and they can always come back and we will not coerce them and we will not shame them, but we will care about them and we will provide aftercare. Uh, treat them with the humanity and the love that they deserve because they're made in God's image, just like the babies are made in God's image with a, and he has a plan and a purpose for each one of them. Absolutely, and I think the important message here to underscore is that you know while the 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 political and legal end of all of this continues to play its way through and out, and it shall in all of these states, um, and, and and certainly those that that are enjoying in the battle on in those sort of battle lines or front lines are not going to give up. But meanwhile, the important message here, and what I want to underscore for you today, is that uh, there are lives to be saved. There are women that need to hear the truth. There is information that needs to get out there so that when a woman finds herself in an unplanned pregnancy, um, she's not left with the, the, the belief that there is only one way out, and so she has to choose it. No. And um, a big part of what 
of course, Real Options is doing is to not only be there to provide the resources, the counseling, the options available to women, but it's an ideal opportunity for we as the church to also um, put our heart and our mouth where our faith is and uh, to help facilitate the dissemination of this information. And there's a lot of ways in which we can all be involved, and we're going to talk a bit about that after the break. Um, coming up in March, there's going to be the annual Walk for Life um, which is an important outreach um, of real options. And there are so many ways that uh, you as a person of faith and an individual who believes in, in the sanctity of life that can get involved and make an appreciable difference and uh, and really feel good about the difference that you're making. We'll talk about that, too, after we take a brief time out. Craig Roberts here with you tonight. Valerie Hill, our guest, CEO of Real Options. Let's take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And back to our visit, Valerie Hill, my guest, CEO of Real Options. We're talking about, well, brand new year and um, brand new set of opportunities for us to uh, to really not only show our support for organizations like uh, Real Options, but uh, to get the word out there and to make sure that uh, no matter what the set of circumstances, as Valerie mentioned before the break, every woman needs to know that she is indeed a creation by God, created in God's image to be completely valued in every form and fashion, and uh, that there are indeed people that love and care and will stand with her no matter what the uh, the situation or circumstances might be, and that she does indeed have real options available to her. Toward that end, Valerie, let's talk a bit about the way in which um, all of us can be involved. This is Sanctity of Human Life a month here in January, and so a good time to be reminded about the ways in which partnering with real options can help everyday folks that care about this topic make a real difference. Absolutely. There's so many ways to get involved. Uh, We're excited about this year. We're doing our best to strengthen our infrastructure for our five Bay Area clinics and outreach programs and uh, if you go to friendsofrealoptions.net slash events you will see the uh, Sanctity of Human Life uh, as the event for January. It's what we're all celebrating in local churches. You can encourage your pastor to share on the biblical value of life from the Bible and teach about the sanctity of life from the Lord's perspective, you can uh, request the speaker to come from Real Options, and I or one of my team would be delighted to come and honored to come and share in your church. You can play one of the wonderful videos. We've got the Dignity of Human Life video from Focus on the Family and several of our patient testimony videos on that page. And you can request bulletin inserts, any way that we can support the church and bring some awareness to your family that you uh, attend with and, and worship the Lord with to highlight the sanctity of human life. And whether people are realizing whether they're a Christian or not, we live in a melting pot here in the Bay Area, but every person is an image bearer of a holy God. And let's get involved in a way that uh, raises the bar of humanity. Instead of dragging people down and dividing them, let's raise everyone up and uh, show the compassion and the grace that God has uh, for each person and be a part of Real Options. 
our Walk for Life coming up and the kickoff meeting online or uh, in the office on the Alameda where our headquarters is, is tomorrow evening. And people can go online and register to join us. It's very easy um, to join us for the kickoff meeting uh, at 4 or 5 p.m. virtually or in person. Um, and I'm sorry, from 4 to 7 p.m. virtually or in person. And, and they'll get things like the materials that they can bring back to their church, bookmark bulletin inserts, posters, um, just instruction on how to register on our fund easy crowdfunding you don't have to be present at the walk to participate you can do your own walk in your own neighborhood or around your own church you can form teams uh, at work and at church and make it a fun family event we actually have a two-mile walk and a 5k run at Marshall Cottle Park in San Jose it's a beautiful park and we have everything from breakfast burritos and Chick-fil-A sandwiches to um, games for the kids and hula hoop contests, um, all sorts of activities after people do their walk and their run. And it's all for the cause of helping to fund the life-affirming uh, work of Real Options, which is God's kingdom work here in the Bay Area. So that's just an awesome and fun way get involved and on March 25th calling all volunteers or anyone who thinks they might be interested we're holding discover real options this is in person at our headquarters on the Alameda in San Jose and it is it begins at 9 a.m. you can pre-register or walk in we do a an interactive tour of the medical clinic highlighting one of our past patients' experiences from the intake to the consultation room to the ultrasound. And we just follow that story, making it very real of the experience of our patients. And then we gather in the conference room and share information, wonderful videos and inspiration and the biblical basis again of why do we do this work as the family of God gathered at Real Options. Staff and volunteers and board members all have a reason and a passion why we care and why we want to serve him in this very critical uh, and important area such as life. You know, I told my team the other day, we're, we've got the best the best product out there. Silicon Valley might be struggling and other businesses might be struggling. And last year we had 12% growth, even with all the challenges that we had in patients served and people impacted and students educated and served. And so we're very, very blessed and happy to be able to do this work. And we can't do it without you. We can't do it without our local Christian community coming together to walk for life, to serve as a volunteer, and to get involved for your church with the sanctity of human life and the message of God's grace and truth. And uh, I just want to also invite any nurses or nurse practitioners that would love to serve God with us. We have paid openings and we need you to come in and work in our clinics and serve 
um, our patients coming in our doors. Uh, we have needs in all five of our locations. And we could use educators for our education team that is growing and serving local public schools, uh, Christian schools, Catholic schools, and Boys and Girls Club we're going to be serving as well. So there's so many opportunities and ways to get involved, whether you want to volunteer or you want to become trained uh, in ultrasound as a nurse and, and be able to give those critical ultrasounds and consultations and provide all the life-affirming services. You can come and go to re- friendsofrealoptions.net slash careers. And you can learn about a career opportunity or come to our Discover Real Options on March 25th, Saturday, March 25th at 9 a.m. It's just the morning. Goes by fast and you will learn so much about this life-affirming work. And again, there's so many easy ways in which you can come, get involved, volunteer, whether you have a little time to share or a lot of time to share, maybe the recently retired and thinking, you know, uh, I, I'm ready for the next chapter of my life to do really do something significant for the kingdom. Well, here are ways in which you can get involved. Information available on the web, as Valerie mentioned, at friendsofrealoptions.net. That's friendsofrealoptions.net. And uh, we'll get a chance in the coming days and weeks to to get more information, remind you about the upcoming Walk for Life that will be Saturday, March the 4th, 2023. Again, complete details available about ways in which you can support and pray and volunteer by going online to friendsofrealoptions.net. Our thanks to Valerie Hill, CEO of Real Options, for joining us tonight and uh, kicking off a look ahead at many of the exciting opportunities for ministry in 2023. 5.30 from KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. somewhat innocuous sounding or obnoxious as the case may be sounding bit of music might seem to have come from some major Hollywood spectacle or maybe even serve as a great theme song for this show some days but in fact it is the theme from one of the best selling video games of all time Call of Duty and I've always marveled at those that will talk about what a wonderful teaching tool that computers can be or television and that children can watch a program like uh, Nat Geo and come back with all kinds of great facts and having expanded their horizons and understanding of life in the world and how engaging the computer can be as an educational tool and yet out of the very same mouths will come well there's no influence whatsoever of violent video games on children how can you dare even suggest such a thing well which is it going to be folks can media in particular television and interactive uh, uh, games and so forth can they teach children or are they not teachers at all 
Joining me now with some insights is Dr. Jane Anderson. She served for many years as a pediatrician at Mount Zion Center for uh, UCSF. And uh, Dr. Anderson, always a delight and an education to have you join us on the program. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> what, what about this debate? I, I just I never have quite understood, Dr. Anderson, how we can, out of one side of our mouth, suggest that television and computers are a wonderful teaching tool, and the other one say that they, at the same time, have no influence on children who will spend sometimes hundreds of hours over the course of a month engrossed in violent video games that have no other purpose than racking up points killing people. Exactly. It's sort of why why do companies spend two point five, you know, million dollars for a thirty second commercial on the Super Bowl if they don't think it's going to influence our behavior. Precisely. So there the interesting thing for me is that there is so much new information on brain research. And researchers are now using brain scanning tools such as MRIs to evaluate children and teenagers uh, before and after and sometimes during um, the time that they're playing video games to see what happens. So we now have real brain data that shows that areas of our brain that are linked to desensitization to violence are activated during violent video games. We have more longitudinal studies that show us that children who play more video games are more likely to engage in violent behavior. And it doesn't mean that every child who plays video games is going to end up more aggressive, but it certainly plays into the tendencies, and there are a lot of reasons for it. Um, Violence uh, during video games is not just learned and demonstrated. It is repetitively practiced over and over again until you get it right. And then that violence is rewarded, so you get um, you get to uh, go to higher levels, or you get expanded tools of violence. So you get rewarded for your behavior, and um, and so the violence becomes justified, and it becomes quote fun. And then worse than that, it's what we call many of the games, like Call of Duty, Mortal Kombat, others, Doom. They are first person player video games. In other words. When we think of Pac-Man, it was like take a you know take a joystick and make the you know little Pac-Man guy move. Um, you weren't actually Pac-Man, but the first-person player games, you are actually the player, and you see the world through the player's eyes. And that's why um, some of the school shooters had never held guns before. The kids in um, I believe it was Mississippi had in Pearl, Mississippi. That student had never held a gun before, but he'd practiced on video games, and so he was able to have direct hits to students who were running, but he got them with one shot and killed them, which is, you know, better than most, you know, police agencies or soldiers can do, but he'd been practicing. Well, and we've seen cases where military, including our own, um, are are extremely interested in talking to uh, potential recruits who have very high marks in video gaming because these same individuals who, as you point out, often have no experience shooting an actual weapon whatsoever, and yet when the gun is put into their hands for the first time, demonstrate remarkable levels of marksmanship. Why? Because the ability to load, reload, aim, and so forth, they've practiced all of that sometimes thousands and times over. I mean, in often cases, uh, Dr. Anderson, I would imagine, just in terms of overall experience, albeit not with a real weapon, but still, their 
level of experience is equal to or exceeds even what the police get on the firing range. Oh, sure. I mean, there. one of the studies is from 2004, so it's old now, but boys between 8 and 13 years of age were playing 13 hours a week of video games, and most of those are violent. So although not all video games are violent, 10 of the top 20 game sellers are violent. And it is a multi-billion dollar industry, $11.7 billion um, we're spending. So I always like to tease and say, don't tell me we don't have enough money to do X, Y, Z. Excellent point. You make reference to a number of these studies that are out there, the growing body of evidence that suggests that, of course, there's a connection to violence after they've seen and been programmed uh, by this kind of so-called entertainment. I'm curious to find out what the brainwave activity is showing. And most importantly, what needs to be the warning word here? Even after the heels of events like Sandy Hook, we're teaching our children that violence is entertainment. In real life, when we engage in wars that we do, we teach our children that that's the way adults settle disputes. And then when our kids grow up and turn the guns on us or act out violently against us, we wonder what happened to little Johnny that maybe because he wasn't breastfed as a child, he's acting this way. We've trained these kids to behave like this. Why are we as a society surprised? Rhetorical question. Better put, what can we who understand it and get it? do to overcome all of this. We'll continue with more of our conversation with Dr. Jane Anderson as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. So the um, five or six billion dollar a year video gaming industry says that their um, their entertainment has no influence on children and violent activity whatsoever. Of course, they would probably have um, upwards of five, six billion reasons why they would say that. Dr. Jane Anderson with us today with a bit contrarian insight on this topic. Dr. Anderson, you mentioned about this growing body of evidence, and I know there have literally been thousands of studies that have tied in uh, the the impact of prolonged exposure to violent video games and the degree to which children who have a history of that as a form of entertainment, acting out in aggressive behavior, involvement in a violent manner with the authority, so on and so forth. What's the response to all of this? What should it be? I mean, we've been talking about this for years and years and years. Outside of parents waking up to certain realities, is it time for the government to begin interceding here and saying, you know what, just like we won't allow kids to see certain classifications of movies, we're not going to allow them to engage in certain classifications of violent video games? Well, you know, um, as much as I'm a conservative politically and I don't like government intrusion generally, um, I think if we compare it to, uh, just like you said, you know, if we compare it to like accessing alcohol or pornography or going into an X-rated movie, I think we can set some limits on children and adolescents. They are still under adult sort of authority and and I hate to use the word control but should be (laughs) under control so I think yes you know California tried it we they passed a law to uh, limit the um, access of teenagers to the most mature rating or the most violent um, video games but it was defeated by the Supreme Court as a right to um, freedom of speech 
Um, but I think if we can limit, you know, sale of, of pornography, I think we can limit the sale of violent video games. But I really would encourage parents um, until that time, <laughs> uh, they really have to be aware of um, the, the violence in the video games. And a lot of times it's not noticeable at the lower levels. If they're sitting next to their, you know, uh, teenager, they need to see, well, what's at the higher levels? And I want to really point out to all parents that boys are so susceptible. Uh, the way the boys' brains develop and their exposure to, to testosterone in utero at 12 weeks gestation, their brains develop differently, and they learn by competition and repetition, and that's exactly what video games are. So they're much more likely to become addicted and be influenced by the video games. So for, for everybody, limit them, but especially for boys. And, you know, even parents of toddlers out there, the parents of toddlers who are listening, and you're probably thinking, oh, well, you know, my kid's not affected by this. You know, you're handing them your iPad, your iPhone to keep them entertained, you know, while you're in the car or at the doctor's office, and you are teaching them that screen time is entertaining and you're not doing what we, we used to do as parents, talking to them while you're, you know, in the car and playing word games and I spy out the window and, you know, helping them be creative and problem solve and when they're at home, get outdoors and do things outdoors. There's so much that of life that our children are missing out on because um, they're, they're indoors playing video games. So I'd really encourage parents to be aware, keep computers, video games, consoles, everything out of the kids' bedrooms. We have documented evidence that children who have computers and TVs and games and stuff in their bedrooms, they do worse in school, they have more problems with obesity, they sleep less, they have more behavioral problems. It's like there are things that parents can do. You know, and the other thing that dawns on me is we were sharing the notion of not engaging children in, in the healthy way, that, that kids of my generation, we had no choice. None of this stuff existed in those days. I think we barely had the electric light. Uh, but we, we tend to then train kids to be very inward-looking as opposed to outward-looking. There, there's no sense of wonder and awe about the world around them. It's all limited to, you know, the 13-inch diagonally measured screen of the computer in front of them. And, you know, I, I think that, that that, you know, not only leads to a tremendous degree of, of, of a false, distorted, sort of just two-degree, uh, two-dimensional, rather, view of the world, uh, in spite of the best efforts of 3D. But, but then, too, Dr. Anderson, I mean, isn't there a degree to which there is a chemical high that kids get off of this, not just as they're advancing and they're making more points and they're able to, you know, engage in, in, in more points for more kills and things of this sort. But aren't we kind of there's got to be sort of a, a brain chemical reaction to engaging in this violence through a video game. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, that's that's where addictions come in. And there are definitely, you know, teenagers who, and, and young, especially young, young men, young men who are addicted to video games. And the addiction comes from the pleasurable response. And unfortunately, there's, there's like a gate in our brain, and it's only going to let through certain sensations. So, for instance, if I'm sitting here, I'm not paying attention necessarily to where my feet are or what smells are in the room or whatever. The brain um, determines what is sensational, what is new, what is innovative and creative, and it lets those sensations through, which is why... You have to have 
sort of different, more creative, worse violence at the higher levels using worse vet weapons because that keeps that excitement and that adrenaline going and it allows your brain to take in that sensation and then it stimulates your dopaminergic system and um, that's what contributes to this need for more and more. No, just as much as we see the same thing played out in real life that oftentimes children who engage or, or adults who engage in violent behavior then do need to go higher and higher and higher in order to re- receive sort of the, the same kind of uh, chemicals in, in, uh, enjoyment out that's of it. That's exactly right. So it ought to be easy for parents to connect the dots, folks. So let's start connecting the dots. Now, urging our government at the state level and federal level to start putting bans and restrictions and tighter controls on this, age restrictions, things of that sort is very important. But I guess at the end of the day, uh, Dr. Anderson, it really comes down to the parents, doesn't it? It really does, and the video game industry does have ratings on the video game, so pay attention, you know, look on the box. You know, does it say E for everyone or does it say M for mature audiences only? And it will say on there if it's sexual, if it's violent, if it's, you know, um, if there's foul language, it'll say on there. So look and read. Um, Teenagers tell you their parents might set rules for the TV viewing, but they don't set rules for video game playing. Well, set some rules and set some guidelines. Meet with the teenagers. Hey, what do you think you're doing when you're, you're playing video games? What, be, what activities are you not participating in? Oh, you know, you're not outdoors exercising and playing on a team. And boys, by the way, learn so much about the real world by playing on a sports team. So, you know, get your, and girls do too, but boys more so, get your guys out there playing, um, you know, reading, being creative. You know, it used to be kids would go outdoors and create the rules to a game, and they'd be creative. You know, you be this, I'll be that. And now it's just, you know, I'll sit here and sit side by side with my friend, and we'll both, you know, play video games together. It's like, no, there are so many wonderful alternatives, and the evidence is overwhelming in so many arenas of life, whether it's the physical development of the child, the emotional development, the cognitive development, even developing empathy and compassion. Our brains develop that by looking at someone else's facial expression. Well, you can't see those changes when you're in front of a screen. How far we've come from the day and age when I was a kid and they couldn't get us to come back indoors and today we can't get them to go outdoors. Our thanks to Dr. Jane Anderson for being with us in this segment of Lifeline. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.